Hi guys, Paul from the innovation community here. Today, I'm with Peter Larson, who's the head of data and analytics at Orsted. Uh, Peter is using data to create a world that runs on green energy, so a very, uh, a very selfless mission. Great to have you with us. Well, thank you very much, Paul. A pleasure to be here. Uh, just tell us a bit about yourself in a, in a few words to start with. Well, um, I've... Uh, I, um been with uh, with Arsta for for about a decade, a bit more, um, and uh, I have a have a background in in applied mathematics, and uh, been working with various analytics uh, problems, data problems over the years. Um, I've uh, primarily focused on on energy markets and uh, how we can can use models and uh, quantitative methods to to drive better business decisions and this has been through uh, risk uh, views risk modeling but also uh, long term forecasting it's been a lot to do with our trading and um, uh, um, market facing activities in general um, and uh, I have a background in applied mathematics i'm I'm an engineer and uh, I've been working with the, the, the finance functions, finance functions in Arista with business development. So to me, it's also really a lot about working across different functions and uh, uh, bridging from data to decisions by by engaging all parts of the organization. I think that's, that's kind of what drives me. Uh, Excellent. And just looking at your career, you've spent pretty much most of your, your time in Denmark. What, yeah. what's, What's you know? What's your favorite part of Denmark? What, why is it so much Denmark? Well, uh, well, uh, professionally, uh, I, I've been based in in Denmark, but um, and Denmark is is a fantastic uh, place to be, especially when you work with uh, with green energy. It's it's sort of the uh, the place where the, the whole <laughs> windmill sector started. So so that it's a really good spot to to work from. Um, but uh, but I also have have uh, lived in 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 other countries, uh, particularly France, where I have a French uh, engineering degree. So so it's not it's not it it may look on the resume level that it's it's very uh, very much Denmark, but uh, I definitely uh, approach this with an international mindset, and that's also the mindset of uh, of Ørsted that we are looking globally to solve. Um, uh, the world's energy problems. Uh, Denmark is just a really good place to to do that from. Mm. And where did your data career really start? You, know, you mentioned you you worked with applied mathematics, um, mm. but how did you make that transition? Well, um, to me, it hasn't really been a, been a sort of a point in time, a, a transition. Uh, um, to me, to me, it's it's more. Sort of a, a, a journey. I've I've always liked maths and quantitative disciplines, and the way I've seen the evolution over the, the last many years is basically that the amount of data has grown, as we all know, and computing power has grown. So, so the methods that you can use, you can deploy them at scale, and so, so it's more or less just just grown into that way. It's become very 
data centric uh, but you still need to in my my view you still need the same quantitative analytical mindset to apply just to large amounts of data and uh, with more computing power so so it's basically the same thing we can just do a lot more now thanks to technology and, um, and digitalization uh, uh, in general so so I, I don't think it has really ever has a specific starting point it's it's just uh, uh, grown into to 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 where it is now mm. and that that's the how why data what really interests you about working with data well to to me it's back to to making making the best decisions and i i think the more <laughs> you need to see data as, as not something that's that's wonderful in itself it's wonderful because we can use it to make data better decisions so um to me yeah it, it's about making the best business decisions and if we need to do that today we need to understand data we need to see data as a valuable asset we need to work with it very proactively and and uh basically extract all the information we can from it um so so it's at the end of the day it's about making better decisions and in today's environment you need to be on top of your data in order to be able to do that mm. for sure and throughout your career what are some of the major successes that you have achieved throughout that time in your own opinion well um uh you know uh, born and raised in denmark we're a little bit uh, uh, <laughs> uh not very good at praising ourselves for our own uh, successes so uh, i might <laughs> i'll try to phrase that in my own modest way um i think that for me uh, i get i'll come back to the to the decision making uh, uh, the company Arsted has been through a fantastic transformation over the last uh, uh uh, the last decade from a, a, a brown energy coal-fired energy company to the the world's uh, leading offshore windmill company and also this year the most sustainable company in the world uh, uh, on the corporate nights ranking so it's been a major transformation of the company and uh, my role in that overall success of the company has been to support decisions through um uh quantitative uh analytics through modeling through better use of data and a couple of examples uh of where, where i have uh, contributed to that is is uh, through improving our risk modeling understanding of of market risks um through ver various uh advanced uh, approaches to that but not in a way where we complicate uh, use extremely complex model, but more from a, a storytelling point of view, visualization point of view. Um, so that uh, we implemented a, a framework which we called cash flow at risk uh, a couple of years ago, which which uh, brought a lot of transparency into how we we dealt with our, our market risks. So that that's uh, one thing I think was ex extremely successful. Then we've uh, supported with. Um, valuations of our uh or quantifications of or how much our, is our uh, legacy asset base uh, base worth so we could uh, transform out of our old gas and oil heavy uh, assets 
through changing markets in the in the, in the, in the times after the financial uh, uh, the financial crisis, which allowed us to to transform that uh, our portfolio into to where it is now. And on on the the latter years, I, I think what um, uh, my focus uh, has also been on the the organization, how to um break down barriers between different parts of the organization so to that we can have a much more smooth uh, collaboration and we've implemented for example scaled agile ways of working um, uh, and brought together frontline business people with back-end it people and uh, people like me who are really good at modeling and analytics and made all of that work in uh, in symphony I, I i think some of those are some of my main main major contributions to the the company and its its success over the last uh, many years mm. and and you, you you've mentioned a bunch that your focus is on making better business decisions mm. and a big question that will come up within our community is how do how do organizations arrange themselves how do companies organize themselves to actually do that i think it's something that's that's a lot easier said than done but some of your yeah, experience yeah. might have some insights there um well i i think um uh, the question how do we organize ourselves that that can become very specific and uh, <laughs> you you can draw various organizational designs and and i think there's no one uh, one uh, one way of doing that um I think it's more important to talk about the focus of the company, and I think it's it's fair to say that in in Erste we have a actually a very detail oriented way of making decisions. So there's a focus from the very top of the company to understand which assumptions do we make, how do we, how do they feed into our decision making process. And how does that fit with corporate strategy? Um, and I think that starting point is extremely important. One of the areas that I'm uh, responsible for is, is how do we how do we forecast uh, market prices on a very long time horizon? When we invest in, uh, for example, uh, an offshore wind uh, wind farm, it's a it's a 30, 40 year investment. So you need to understand. Your, your strategy and how that aligns with your quantitative assumptions and engaging in that dialogue and understanding that in detail is from the very top of the company. I, I think that's, that's a very important part of, of this uh, mindset about data-driven uh, decision-making that you have that from the very top, then that feeds down into the organization and then you can organize that in a million ways, depending on, on how your, your company is set up. But I think you always need to, to uh, find a balance between having a central center of excellence and then having tentacles in the organization at the very front line of the organizations where the day-to-day -day business decisions are made and how you make that uh, how you make that uh, trade-off uh, that that depends on the company but but you need to have a, a conscious trade-offs off about the about that central decentral uh, uh, design of the organization but it starts from the top i think the the focus you have from the top yeah, and that's the the backbone of any strategic decision making, right? It's about the, the idea that okay, I'm going to send a ship across the Atlantic. If it's one degree out from when I set off, then it's going to end up in a completely different location by the time it gets out. I think thirty, forty years is a, is a long time in the twenty first century. Yeah, 
So you, you mentioned that it, it has to be top down. How do you find the best way to communicate and engage with the senior leadership team on being more data driven? Well, um, good question. Um, on uh, there's several elements to that. On on one hand, I, I think uh, no matter what position you are in, you have to think of yourself as a, as a storyteller. Uh, and especially when you you work with data, when you work with analytics, you are a, a translator of complexity. Uh, so it's not that you your senior management also need to uh, appreciate and understand the complexity, but not necessarily on on getting every detail. So so it's your job to and my job to translate that into something tangible, uh, and doing doing that translation in in a, in a, in, a, in a trustful way that that's uh, that, that's really the the, the the key to to having that successful senior management uh, uh, engagement and it takes sometimes a little risk on 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 your side that uh, uh, on on my side that I, I have to make some choices what do I want to focus on um, uh, but but it's really it's really telling that great story about about uh, making things concrete. Uh, again, let let's take an an example when we work with the long term energy price forecasts. It's about saying okay, let's let's say okay, we we're expanding in the U.S. now. Um, we need to understand long-term prices in, in the U.S. What are the main drivers of this? There's so much detail in understanding regulatory regime, market mechanisms, prices, but what are the three main things that we need to focus on that have a, a, a huge impact on, on this? And it's my job to identify those things and make it clear and direct the discussion with the senior management. That's, uh, that, that's, that's the job at the end of the day. So the opposite question then, uh, you, you touched on the centralized versus the decentralized mm. model and it has to be cascaded top down. Mm. How do you communicate with uh, maybe people who have been in the organization for 10, 15, 20 years, mm. maybe less, less receptive to change? And that could also be functional as well, right? Mm. Uh, well, uh, good, good question. I'm, I'm just trying to picture some faces in, in my head now. <laughs> um, uh, well, um, I, I think when you, uh, uh, it, it, it becomes a bit more general communication question, but, uh, but I think it, it, there's a, a, no matter what level you communicate in your organization, it's, it's really about um, keeping things uh, factual, uh, of course. Uh, but also understanding where, where people are. And uh, uh, I think uh, I would probably uh, say that, that uh, uh, my approach would, I would probably call it a positive uh, pragmatism. Uh, so always keep, keep a, a smile on your face while, uh, while communicating, especially if you're, you're challenging uh, people's views. You might have new data that you might need to convince them about something else. Keep a smile on your face. That's, that's the first thing. And then always look for solutions and, and uh, listen, listen to, 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 to their perspective. Um, 
um, again, when we, we're looking into the future and working with the, 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 the long-term uh, view of the, the company, uh, we've established um, cross-functional groups, uh, expert groups, where we look to engage with experts and leverage their knowledge uh, um, along with, with hard data. So, so we try to do an approach where we get people's views and combine that that yeah, with more 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 hard data to to inform uh, to make the best informed decisions um and uh, we we've had uh, quite a lot of success with with uh, with doing that uh, so creating localized expert groups which are not necessarily a line function but but where we get all the the best experts of the company into to smaller groups and i think that 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 uh, that has definitely been key for us to uh, to leverage that uh, knowledge that resides in the organization. Just from what you've seen over the last few weeks, uh, what is the impact of COVID-19 on the, on the energy market? Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, a, a, a very good um, question. Um, uh, it's had a huge impact. Uh, energy markets are very demand-driven, so uh, uh, we've seen a, a drop in, in demand, which has just pushed prices down, which of course is is, uh, is uh, critical for, for everyone producing energy. So so it's been, been quite a shock and a very abnormal situation uh, in the markets. Um, from... Uh, uh, a company's perspective, I think we've had a very uh, structured and disciplined uh, response to that. And again, that also falls back on us actually having a strong backbone with the uh, models and uh, systems that can provide the, the, the necessary transparency in, in, in stressful uh, situations. Um, so, uh, so an event or a uh something like like the current situation i don't know if i want to call it an event it's it's an extreme situation i think it it uh, the impact that it has has had on the markets has also underlined the need to have a, a strong backbone and have data in place so you can make informed decisions uh right away so in short it's had a huge impact on uh, on um, on uh, on the markets and the company in uh, in uh, in this situation. And what are your thoughts on on the wider impact of COVID nineteen? Like, what are you seeing in Denmark in society right now? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I think depending on how long this will. Uh, the, this will take uh, we have some very severe uh, consequences which are comparable to a financial crisis and uh, uh, um, and and uh, so so depending on how long it will last so so of course there are some some things there that that on a societal level are, are huge if we look a bit more uh, on uh, on uh, on the company, I think um, uh, we, uh, as a company, are, are, are have a 
fairly resilient uh, business model where where we we produce energy where we still need energy we have been able to keep our our, our critical functions uh, running with everyone working from home uh, so so i think we we're in a pretty good place of course depending on the the larger impact on the economy um, if we look more on a kind of an interpersonal uh, interaction level i think uh, it's it's uh, in in Denmark, at least, and in, in, in Austria, it, it's given kind of a sense of uh, increased sense of community and, and connectedness, ironically, while so we're staying closer while staying away away from each other, which I think has had some some uh, some very uh, uh, which has actually been very positive. Um, we've also uh, in in the workplace uh, in my <laughs> my work context we've. Uh, seen people stepping up in times of crisis. We've seen uh, increased collaboration. We, uh, well, one example, we ran a, a, a session with a hundred plus people uh, virtually, which we'd never done before, and it just worked seamlessly. So, so I think we, we see these aha moments also of how can we do things differently, um, and of course, those are kind of the positive sides of a, a, a crisis where 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 we we are forced to to think in new ways. And I think there are definitely some some elements there that we can take into. Uh, to uh, to the future um, with us um, about about collaboration about stepping up and um, also about using digital means as we're doing now Paul um, uh, I think we we've just instantly become become better on that and I think there are some good experiences to take uh, to take with us yeah a, a big learning experience for the businesses mm. society and uh and for everyone i think uh just going back to the business side tell me about a time that you affected change in a major organization and some of the challenges that came with that um well let me let me go back to what i mentioned uh, before when we we introduced uh, uh scaled agile in in Ersta. i think uh, from from uh, a lot of companies are going through agile transformations and i think we've been extremely successful in in Ersta in in doing that basically setting up uh, uh cross organizational structures that can work across digital and business and finance and uh, and uh i i led the one of these initiatives in 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 Arsta and um, again, I I, <laughs> I was mentioning about always approach people with a smile. Uh, I, I think that's definitely one part of how you do that. That uh, I hope you can see me smiling uh, virtually now. Um, um, so, so so that's really the the starting point of that change anywhere to 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 approach it with a smile and a, and a positive attitude and then i think there's a, a big element of um, of trust um, and what when i say trust this is really starts with the the leadership uh, to instill a, a sense of trust in uh, in uh, in people and that, that was really what happened during that transition that we we set out from the beginning that we know we have the right people on board. We uh, we know we have all the competencies uh, to to pull pull through this uh, transformation, um, and uh, 
and then it's it's basically also just uh, putting your skin in the game and uh, daring to 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 take the first step um and uh, leading leading a, a transition like that so so uh, uh, what have i done basically it, it's it's uh, it, it's it's about smiling it's about instilling trust and it's about uh, daring to take the first step and leading through a, a transition that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, where does technology fit into all this for, for you and your role? Because obviously, when we talk about data and analytics buy-in, mm. a lot of it is is people and process orientated. Mm. But you mentioned also that you've gone through a massive transformation as a company from more mm. brown build to, to completely green now. And that's no mm. mean feat, right? Being the most sustainable company in the world. You know, that's mm. something to, you, should be, you should be very proud of. And it sounds like you are as well. Mm. But where does technology fit into all of that? And where will it fit in the future? Um, well, technology plays a huge role, uh, but for me, it's people first. It's, it's about having the right people, uh, uh, having <laughs> having the right people, having the the, the right mindset, and uh, um, that there of course uh, uh, places where we need to be uh, the best at the technology on the technology side. If we look at at the uh, um, uh, well, again, to me, it, we we are not a digital technology company. We are, we are an energy technology company, but we need to lead our sector in terms of digital as well. And um, uh, but it's really about getting the right people on board uh, and getting the right partnerships. So for me, it always starts with with people and uh, and process mm. and if we have the right people on board if we have the right execution uh, processes and uh, involvement processes then then uh, the technology will also uh, uh, fit into that mix but but it starts in the in the other place Absolutely. That, that was a trick question and you got, you got the answer right. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement within Orsted then right now? Um, well, to me, it's, it's probably, you know, we, we haven't gone through a major transformation. Um, uh, the company, the, the, the business unit composition of the company has changed and uh, of course, also we've we've shaken up some of the shared functions, and uh, uh, and uh, I think we uh, we're still uh, maturing how we find that uh, centralized, decentralized uh, balance um, um, uh, between having having a sort of a, a central technology muscle and and a decentralized initiative. So I think we, we still need to evolve that model, but it, it's, uh, and I, I think if we, we strike that right and adapt it to, to, to the changing uh, circumstances, then I think we, uh, we can accelerate even more. Uh, so, so really back to that organizational uh, uh, design, uh, I, I think we, we have, uh, yeah, we have some, some more efficiency to tap into. Hmm. For sure. And throughout your career, what was the biggest mistake that you think you made during that time? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, uh, 
Um, yeah, I'm thinking still. <laughs> um, the biggest mistake, um, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, um, no, it's not like a big uh, calculation error or something like that. It, it's it, it's um, uh, uh, I would say it's some of the things that have gone uh, wrong, if it is a project or, or similar, or where we haven't reached what what we wanted to do. It's uh, um, it's probably. Uh, when we have had that, it's probably not being firm enough on uh, understanding and aligning around the impact that we want to achieve. Um, we, uh, without getting too much into details, of course, we've had projects that, that have uh, gone terribly wrong. And I think this initial misalignment, and I, I think that's also from a, a, a leadership point of view, that that's really the responsibility you need to take upon yourself to align not just with your own expectations or upwards in the organization but across the whole organization and if you see some misalignment then don't hesitate to uh, to, to talk about that and it's misalignment to understand what is the desired impact you want to have of whichever uh, project or program or you, you want to, to launch then that's where I've seen uh, some of the big mistakes that, that uh, I, I would have liked to done have done in other ways. It's really aligning around the, the expectations beforehand on, on what exactly, what kind of impact do you want? Mm. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, I, um, it may may sound a little bit strange and a little uh, philosophical, um, and um, if I can just uh, uh, trace back to my my uh, Danish roots, then uh, are you familiar with the Danish philosopher Kierkegaard? Um, is is a very famous philosopher, and he had a there's a quote uh, which goes. Um, of all ridiculous things, it appears to me that the most ridiculous is to be busy. And uh, what he means is that uh, uh, that in order to make the best decisions in your life, if you're constantly busy, your mind is uh, you, you have no bandwidth to to make good decisions, uh, and um, I was talking to 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 uh, to a good friend once, and he 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 made me aware of this quote. I was going through a little bit of a, a stressful uh, period, and then he told me, Peter, it's your choice whether or not you want to be busy. It's a it's a it's a thing in your your mind. You know, you uh, you can only do uh, one thing at a time, so uh, so stick to that, and. Um, and I, I think this also goes for for organizations and and making good decisions that if if you constantly have everything going on without a clear focus and you have a state of of being very busy all the time then uh, then you don't make good decisions and you don't have time to reflect so th that would be my advice 
to think mm. think about yourself think about your own uh, thinking and if you're too busy and constantly have that that feeling of being too busy then uh, then you can actually do something about it but it's up to yourself and you if you want to make good decisions you need to do something about that uh, all that being busy hmm. i'll definitely do some some reading on him he sounds like yeah. an interesting guy <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of being busy, uh, obviously you may have had a routine before the whole coronavirus working from home. And, and before we hit record, you mentioned that you've been playing air guitar with your with your with your uh, children uh, to Artsy Monkeys. So, what does your daily routine look like these days? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we had our daily air guitar break. Uh, uh, about half an hour ago, that was great. Good energizer. Uh, daily routine at these moments. Um, we've actually tried to establish a routine. So uh, yeah. I'm at home with uh, my wife is also working from home and we have two kids, seven and, and 10 years old. Uh, and we, we are homeschooling um, at the moment. So, so we get up round about the usual time it, it drags out a little bit uh, and then we actually try to do a little uh, schedule inspired by uh, scrum boards and, and so forth for the the kids so they can tick off uh, the things they're doing during the day it works most days um, and then my wife and i we we have a uh, one office here at home so we are, we are fighting to get hmm. uh, uh, we, we have to we, we have to kind of coordinate our, our skype calls so we don't get too many uh, interruptions we we, we, we got into a bit of a shouting fight the other day doing simultaneous uh, online meetings, uh, just speaking <laughs> louder and louder. Uh, but basically, um, yeah, to try to get, get the kids' schedule in, in order and then uh, then it's actually pretty standard working day. We're just working from home. I, I think it's been, uh, as I also said, uh, some of the positive experience. People are very patient and uh, we're getting used to, to interacting online. Uh, so it's basically just getting getting to work and uh, following your schedule and not not stepping uh, too much on on the break in terms of the things we want to progress just keep progressing pushing even though uh, we are we're working from home so i'm i'm uh, keeping the the same level of uh, activity as as i usually would um, but i must say i really miss uh, face-to-face interaction with uh, with other people and I think it's also just uh, great to be honest about that that it's good to work from home but it's also um, yeah it, it's it's uh, it's it's strange but uh, we need to keep uh, our sanity by by keeping things as, as normal as uh, as possible and then we try to do some breaks have some fun uh, it's also an opportunity to 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 actually spend some more time with your your kids and your your family, so uh, also need to set aside some time to to appreciate that. Mm. What is your top working from home tip? Uh, it's based to have fun uh, and uh, appreciate the the ones you're you're close to. Give some attention to your 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 kids while you're at home, and I guess this is also about the focus because. If you try to manage kids and online meetings and uh, try to do everything at once and it, it has to be too perfect, then you just end up getting stressed out. So rather rather focus that time and um, and then accept that uh, that things can go wrong. And uh, I, I'd say actually my, my number one tip, if you have a video call and your kid comes, comes in and uh, then just have them wave 
at the meeting participants and they'll definitely wave back and uh, and uh, just have a laugh and don't uh, don't try to be too perfect yeah <laughs> what one question what does the map in the behind you connote because i is it temperature just is it, i see it's a map of europe no it, it's just uh, uh it's actually I, I bought it at a flea market in berlin uh, a couple of years back when i uh, um I did part of my PhD in in Berlin, um, and it, it's just a, a European map, but it, it's kind of an old school map. Um, hmm. So, uh, does it have all the old Soviet states on it? Uh, yes, it has. Yes, it has. Very cool. No, I can't. I can't remember when it was from there, but uh, yeah, it, it bought at a flea market in uh, in Berlin. Uh, I like it. <laughs> very cool what are you curious about right now um i'm uh, <laughs> uh i'm very curious about how um how the world is going to cope with the whole um, covid19 crisis what, what's going to happen on the other side um but i'm also uh, optimistic i i think uh, because one of the other elements of, of uh, curiosity is, of course, about how, how are we going to cope with climate crisis? How are we going to, uh, how is, of course, how is the energy sector going to evolve? Um, and I think there's some eye-openers in the current crisis about how can we uh, manage in times of, of, of crisis. Uh, so I think there's some really interesting learnings in, in about how the world can 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 react to to a crisis situation um so that that's uh and I, and i think that there's so many learnings in the whole uh, covid 19 crisis that we need to to take in and and apply to to different types of problems that we that we have then of course i'm also curious about uh, how the whole digital agenda will uh will uh, affect the way we work the way we interact uh, and again there's some interesting learnings these times uh, uh, with with uh, working remotely and and I, again i think there's so many learnings uh, we need to 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 look at and 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 apply and in, in how we can shape a, a sustainable future for all of us um, so uh, yeah that, that that's I'm spending a lot of time uh, thinking about those things now uh, while living it, which is a bit yeah. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say as, as well yeah. as acting on it by working yeah. for Austin. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite thought leader or author? Oh, good question. Uh, now, now I mentioned uh, Kierkegaard, uh, but it, well, it's not like I'm, uh, maybe I'm uh, overstating a little bit how much I've studied uh, Danish philosophy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, so I think he, he has some, some good points. Um, um, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm very uh, sort of, uh, I like um, approaches that have a kind of very systemic thinking uh, way of uh, uh, looking at the, at the world. Um, uh, uh, not to, to name anyone in, in specific, but uh, I actually use my applied mathematics background often to think about the, the world. Uh, I studied uh, a lot about uh, nonlinear dynamics and, and chaos uh, theory, which, which uh, um, 
sort of opened my thinking to to how how you can think about systems. Uh, I I worked a lot with also with biological systems and how they interact and how nonlinearities can can small nonlinearities can have huge effects. Uh, I think there's also a lot of learning in in how the whole world system is reacting right now with the the spread of the pandemic and. Um, so, so, so to me, it's not a specific person. It's more about thinking about things as 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 whole systems. Uh, I think that's that's uh, that, that's how I like to uh, to, uh, to to philosophize about the world. Um, but but definitely, Kierkegaard is, is worth checking out. But uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think I'll leave it with the Kierkegaard and systemic thinking. Hmm. A lot is of the... things you can look up <laughs> in that direction. Sounds good. Yeah. What is your favorite quote? Well, that's back to the Kierkegaard quote. I think uh, of all ridiculous things, the most ridiculous is to be busy. Uh, uh, and I like it because it, uh, it uh, you know, it, it's, it seems at first like uh, you're praising... Uh, uh, complacency or uh, laziness, uh, but it's actually a, a lot deeper than that. That it's in order to to increase efficiency, you need to focus your mind. You need not to be uh, overly occupied with everything at once. Um, so, so that's uh, probably my uh, my my favorite uh, my favorite quote. And last and, question. And then, Go ahead. Yeah, and then then my own my own quote. If I were to be quoted by someone on on on, uh, you asked me how I approach the transformation from sort of a leadership perspective, and it sums down to to three words that, that it's about smile trust and lead in in that order that uh, first of all you need to instill a positive attitude by smiling understanding how smiling also affects yourself and your own mindset then it's about trusting and i mean that a bit more as an uh, an imperative that it's up to you to trust people in order to to also to gain their trust um so trusting in kind of an active uh, sense, and then it's about leading. It's about daring to take the first step, and also uh, stepping into to unknown territory. So, so smile, trust, lead. That's kind of my uh, my mantra. That's great advice. Uh, which which answers the last question anyway. Uh, that was Peter Larson, head of data and analytics at Orsted. Thanks for joining us. 